So then I asked, do you, you know what day it is? Uh, yes, I do, in fact. Uh, I would like to tell you what day it is. It is, uh, the day that, uh, people are starting to, uh, I guess people heard about it yesterday, but today's really the day people are waking up to it. Like, like, uh, Chris Kringle. St. Nicholas, Santa Claus showing up and, uh, uh, you know, leaves presents. Uh, Krampus, you know, uh, does things. And uh, people are waking up this morning to see that uh, good old evangelical round DeSantis, America's real man, uh, just let his fake masculinity and bullshit posturing cost... Uh, the state of Florida, over a billion dollar investment from Disney, over 2,000 jobs, and projected salaries of at least $120,000. That's what day it is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Also, it's Friday, May 19th. Well, uh, who, who cares if what numbers? The fact that it's Disney screwing Florida Day is the only relevant fact. I mean, I'm, I might as well just go back to sleep and just wait till Saturday because this day has peaked. Well, I don't think Disney's going Florida. I think Ron DeSantis is, uh, has, has roofied them and put a rag over their face and all that. But that's what they wanted from Ron DeSantis. Otherwise, they'd stop him. But, uh, but well, you know, I, Dis- I think Disney's people are no. sleeping on the evil empire that Disney is. You know, this is like uh, Dr. Evil versus Dr. No. Did you know that Disney picked mice because they are evil spies for evil, like, doctors? I didn't, but my uh, I got passed over for evil medical school, so my my knowledge on the subject is uh, uh, limited. What were your ECATs? ECAT is the evil medical school version of MCAT. Yeah, um, I don't recall. I mean, that God, that was probably twenty. What year is this? Twenty. 21 or 22 years ago? Oh, I wasn't there. If I were overseeing the the evil medical school then like I am now, I would have selected you. Well, I appreciate it. Well, you got, you know, talent knows talent, game knows game. Truth knows truth. It does. So I, I uh, appreciate it. Um, but yeah, billion dollar investment into the state of Florida. 2,000 jobs, $120,000 a year salaries per job. 
Do you think they're just lying to say that to make him look bad? Not at all. 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 Hmm. But how are they paying so much? Which really, in today's market, that's probably what I should be making. Well, but that's not, but that's the other thing. That's, that's cost of, cost of living. Let me, let me go to a, uh, well, I know that a union plumber who was doing new construction makes what I make or made what I make. And uh, while it is a wonderful career worthy of such rewards, um, you know, I had to conquer tons of technical stuffs and go to school and uh, still paying that student debt, which, gosh, what a scam. I wish I could... uh, make you know four times my investment back on everything um i really feel that the you know they didn't have to deal with people necessarily i i am i am people facing in my job and back end duties as well it uh and i just i just want to be able to afford a modest house and 14 cars. Yeah. So on the just uh, nerd wallet, cost of living calculator, uh, 120 grand in Orlando would be 110,000. Just under 100, just under 110, 500. And uh, so the cost of living in Winston-Salem is 8% lower than it is in Orlando. So yeah, that, those are good jobs, or better than yeah, mine anyway. Well, better, you know. We're we're moving on up to the east side. Well, they 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 say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But uh, I'm an artist, so I can't just. regulate myself to murdering and robbing rich people. No, you'd have to, well, if you started your own religion, you, you absolutely could do that. You absolutely could do that. Keeping the poor people poor, making money off. uh, Well, I think you'd make so much money off the poor people. If you started your own religion, you, uh, I mean, you would get lots of money from the rich people in order to keep the poor people poor. Uh, and implement strategies uh, with them, but, but I have a a religion in mind. I want to start. Oh, I know, I know. You it's wanna... based around snuggles, the human interaction of a hug, and in which I just think are vertical snuggles. We'll call them V-snugs. 
Still be snugs. Uh, okay, so so for instance, and this has come up before. So so again, nerdwallet.com, they do calculator, you know, cost of living adjustment. So 120 grand in LA would be like uh, just under $75,000 and in, in, in we'll just randomly pick a city called Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So it's a 38% difference. So, but that's, but I, but I think the thing about the Florida thing that people don't understand, which might come into play with the religion, starting a religion, depending on what city or location you want to open it in, is it just cost of living is different. And, um, uh, a, a, guy that I was fortunate enough to know who actually had recently passed away was getting harassed by these people in our in our national organization I was involved with because they thought he got paid too much, but they didn't understand. The other people didn't understand. He lived in LA and I think he was making 150 grand a year. But he's got a mortgage payment. I think his wife worked, but he's got a mortgage payment, a car for him, a car for his wife, he has two teenagers. They both have to, you know, fortune to get around on their own. So they have car payments, groceries, taxes, all that stuff. Uh, let me find a town in Ohio because I think the person that's pitching the fit the most lived in Ohio. Um, let's say Dayton, Ohio. So if he was making 150, let me try to give a more accurate number. So $150,000 in Los Angeles is basically $90,000 in Dayton, Ohio. 40% lower $150,000 salary in Los Angeles. Yeah. Is roughly uh, $90,625 in Dayton, Ohio. Oh. The cost of That's living is That's a lot of 40, percentages. Yeah, the cost of living is 40% lower in Dayton. Uh, for instance, uh, a two-bedroom rent, two be the, me the median, and this is nerdwallet.com, and they do pretty intricate cost of living analysis only on a daily basis is what they do. A median two-bedroom apartment rent in LA is three th just over $3,000. And in Dayton, Ohio, it's $1,200. Median house, median home, in, in, median home price, three bedroom, two bath. We're thinking it's two full bathrooms. Is a million, is over a million dollars, million dollars $1,037,503. In Dayton, Ohio, it's 314000 It's just, it's almost $315,000. So it's, but the, but anyway, but, but, but those were good jobs. I mean, for just about anywhere, but, but for the East coast and in Florida, you know, in the Southeastern United States, $120,000 is a lot of money. That'll buy a lot of meth. It will buy a lot of meth, uh, and meatball sandwiches and, and pudding. Uh, which is weird that I guess he wants to hoard all the pudding for himself. So. so my wife would hope that all these jobs were 
making and shipping Dole Whip. Is, is that what they're for? Uh, I don't know what uh, specifically was. Is that stuff amazing? Do y'all love that? I've never, I've never had that. Uh, we went to a food truck thingy a couple of weeks ago, and they had them, and that's the first time I've ever had one. And I will say she did not overhype them. And I think it's the first words she ever said to me was, I know one day I'm going to marry you, though we're just now meeting. Give me Dole Whip. So well, I thought yeah. the first thing she, I thought the first thing she said was get that boom out of my face. <laughs> it pretty much was actually. Um, yeah, I'll tell that story someday. Do you uh, uh, have you ever made Dole Whip yourself? Cause no, I, I thought about I thought about doing it. You know, um, and I was going to if it had this uh, food truck thing not been successful, and but I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. It uh, it, it it's refreshing and flavorful, and it just reaffirms the fact that pineapple goes on pizza. Though pizza wasn't involved that day, it should have been. Because what better flavor can you have than ice cream pizza? Well, Ain't there it. is a lot of dairy. There is a lot of dairy on a on a pizza. Yeah, it it no, it really is nice. I I enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely have another one. It would it immediately jumped into my top ten of enjoyable dessert treats that are cold. Um, she said it wasn't as good as Disney, but. I've never had the Disney version because in my youth, I knew that Ron DeSantis would come to be, and I was loyal to him then as I am now. (laughs) And I hate Disney. I have no desire to go to Disney World, and it has nothing to do with politics. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Star Wars and and Harry Potter, yeah. Yeah, when do you, and obviously you've got a couple years on me, and I guess maybe the answer would be because it's easy to make, cheap to make, easy to sell, and everybody likes it and you can change it around. But do you remember, because I just remember the 80s, and then when I go back, this is a, as a as a lover of eighties media and pop culture, seeing very specific representations of pizza in media and in TV and film. Did pizza blow up in the seventies, or was that more of an eighties? Well, you know, it's very much Pizza Hut. No, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, other restaurants would have pizza, and it was an oddity. You know, um. But then dominoes happened. And that's, for me, I mean, I was, school pizza, 
Uh, I never was a Pete Hutt fan because clearly had great taste, Ron DeSantis aside. And, uh, and, but there was a local restaurant called Goods. It's where, uh, Dukes is now on Country Club. And they had pizza. It was in a little Italian restaurant, which in itself was an oddity back then, uh, at least from my childhood perspective. So when Domino's came along and they delivered, that was amazing. That's when it really it hit. And our, our first Domino's franchise in this city, man, they just didn't honor the 30 minutes or less. The driver would just be like, no, F you. That guy got shut down when corporate found out. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, when I do think, you think, do you think MTV uh, had a lot to do with, I'm just trying to, in my mind, things right. that may have spurred. Um. Oh, do you think Fast Times at Ridgemont High had a lot to do with it? Because I feel like those the two girls work at a pizza place. Jennifer Jason uh, Lee and... Uh, I think you're going to have to find someone even older than me to have... Uh, and they are out there. To have a, a better perspective of that, you know. Um, I th- but an interesting case study between you and I and our our gap in ages would be I, I would liken sushi for you and pizza for me so we had pizza in school i'm sure you had those little rectangular pizza thingies uh and they man i'd still eat those anyway i think they're equivalent to tostinos now which yeah to this day I will say is a quality pizza like better than most but I'm a snob anyway uh, when did you first encounter sushi as a as a Period. as an sushi as an sushi as an act of engagement and that I was having a first hand experience with um I'd say if I had anything nice to say about my my first ex-wife, it would be that uh, I guess I could say she introduced me to sushi in person and that I became a coffee drinker when I had met her because she worked at a uh, she worked at a coffee shop when I met her. Um, uh, so probably the mid to the mid aughts. Um, but I mean, literally, once once I uh, was introduced to sushi, I mean, that kind of changed my life. And uh, word, yeah, yeah, and literally, sushi and pizza just kind of became my two favorite. I mean, I don't know what you call them, just my two favorite f off meals. I mean, just you know, I couldn't tell you the last time I had pizza, uh, but it's. I mean, sushi and pizza, yeah, probably are my top. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess I like other things too, but, but you know, I've like I have a pretty regimented schedule, like regimented 
eating disciplined, I guess is a word, but, but if I was just going to go screw off and, you know, cheats or whatever, like I would, Oh no, I had a pizza a few weeks ago, but, um, that's the magic of DoorDash, I, you know, is that I, at least for me, you can just find all these great places because I'm not a big, unless you're going out with a group of people, I wouldn't necessarily like go out. I would encourage people to go to restaurants and stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily do it unless I was just with a group of friends. Uh, but I feel like DoorDash has just been a great window into into discovering new places and trying them out, uh, you know, and they bring it to you. So. It is convenient. I'm I'm just such a temperature nut. Like food has to be proper temperature. Not reheated, even though I mean that is what it is. But uh my meals I want them I want the hot to be hot when it needs to be hot and for how long it needs to rest and all of that. Uh, I've, I've, man, resting is crucial. Something I didn't pay enough attention to in the past. But, uh, but when's the first time you heard of sushi? And did oh, you have that uh, same trope of yeah, yeah. news? When I was, I think the first time I saw that I remember just because I, it was a cultural touch. It was either Saved by the Bell or uh, The Breakfast Club. Gotcha, gotcha. And did you have that same, were you, were you trained to hate it as a concept? Yeah, because I was raised in a Southern conservative whatever, and anything that's different than the way we do things, you know, oh. must be the devil. Right. Now, in all fairness... My parents weren't like that. I mean, I think to try to reinforce rules and structure, but they never said things like that. But I mean, like, I don't know why you wouldn't. Why would you raise your kids in an environment where people believe that if you didn't have some expectation or awareness, they would adopt those views? You know, and a lot of people I went to school with are certainly the people they had me in church with when I was a kid are exactly those people who were, you know, constantly otherizing people, constantly you know, on the hunt to find an enemy instead of working on developing themselves. Um, um, and so it was that, you know, that whole thing of that's weird. That ain't what we do. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so that probably was, you know, that it was the, the you know, but it's not what we do, so we're not going to do it, which is nonsense now, of course, obviously. Um, yeah, still their MO. What percentage 100%. difference does it take? Yeah. Is, is it 1% different before you should die and you're ungodly and you're not going to heaven? Or, uh, you know, because 1% seems like a lot to me from their point of view. What, what's the well, percentage sure. difference? Yeah. Well, I'm sure they all think they're one percenters and the other 99% are going to burn for eternity in the fire of the lake of fire. They all, they all think they're going to be one percenters. But let's, <clears throat> let's get back to sushi because I, I, there's some things that I associate like sushi, uh, red wine compared to white wine. 
Um, yeah, what absolutely. Did you, what did you start with sushi-wise? <clears throat> I think just the basic um, – I feel like it was just really basic stuff. I mean, at some point um, – I'd say just well, you know, the basic probably just where they would come out with six, eight, you know, just where they they they'll just do a roll cut into six, eight, or twelve pieces. Um, obviously, me now, I'm a lot more into kind of you know, well, even at the time, I think literally it was it was, um, the epitome of all the old the old commercials about drugs or you know the things about oh man first time's free then you're hooked you know um <clears throat> i just remember my main thing i was not into was eel and i'm still not into eel uh but just everything else or like octopus i wasn't into that you know like people eat the little squid salads i'm not into that but i just about anything on the menu but you know you know spicy roll dragon roll um, I think when, you know, when you're young and it's your cherry or whatever, when you get into it, I mean, obviously maybe don't overwhelm yourself if you need to do something. Obviously now I wouldn't order anything that had like cream cheese in it. I guess, you know, they have like the demon deacon roll at places or a Philly roll or stuff. Like I wouldn't do that now, but I'm saying when you're starting out, you know, and you need, you need familiar flavors to ease your way into it, uh, maybe do that. But um, you know, I, I, I classically, as a person who, for better or worse, delves in excesses frequently, um, uh, <clears throat> am aware that I can get into a situation where I would overload things with hot sauce. So just trying to remind myself, like, appreciate the flavors, find, you know, if you're going to put a, use a sauce or a thing, I mean, typically I, I wouldn't, but just maybe something that would just be a splash of enhancement and not anything that would overwhelm the flavors or detract from them. Just find things that, you know, and, and enhance your flavors, enhance your experience. Um, I, t I, honest to God, I think one reason people don't, uh, 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 get into sushi is not even what's involved in the actual the food you eat it's that you eat it with chopsticks and there are people who uh, are so conditioned to be an American that they cannot um, that they hate the idea I mean hate in the meanest way not I mean yes it's driven by ignorance and fear and self-doubt and nonsense can social conditioning but because it's chopsticks and not a fork i'm sure that is a a point of contention i i can barely use chopsticks um but let's let's go back to the cream cheese why why would you not want cream cheese on your sushi now uh i for me it it i think there's so many things because it feels like a filler and right. and i just feel like it's a it's it's i get but it's fine if you like cream cheese i'm not against that i like cream cheese it's not in sushi anymore um i would eat some if it was there if somebody said hey do you want to try this i would say sure but i i, I just feel like there are so many uh just the way and the way my pot palate is 
There's right. so many distinct, distinct flavors my palate craves. In the realm of sushi, cream cheese is not one of them. All right. Uh, all right. I, I like, I like a, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I ate a bagel, but obviously I don't eat a lot of bread. I mean, I would eat like maybe a sandwich or with pizza. Um, but I would, I mean, if, if, if I was, you know, and I, and I, and I, we have a pretty restricted tight eating schedule, but like if I was at a place and it was in my window to eat and I feel like I'd gone long enough between eating periods and somebody had uh toast or a way to toast a bagel or toast of something, it's very possible I would, uh and especially if there was stuff like, you know, locks or, or something to put on top of it that was like a really intense protein. I, it's not out of the question. Smoked I would salmon. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I would, I would, put, you know, put that on a, uh, especially if there weren't utensils to, to eat with, you know. Um, uh, I'd, 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 I'd throw it on a, 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 you know, a, a toast. I don't like bread, but I don't like untoasted bread. Um, I'll eat it, but I'm not. If I had a preference between toasted bread and untoasted, I would have a toasted. Uh, I would, I would, it's very possible. I would, I would, I would, I might put a little cream cheese on that. Gotcha. I, uh, one of my favorite sushi experiences was Dana had a friend and, uh, we went to his restaurant Well, he worked there and we just said, make us what you want. And keep it coming until we say stop. So that was fantastic. We didn't even, to this day, we have no idea what we ate. But it was all delicious. And I like those conveyor belt sushi places because that's very similar. Okay, I'll just grab that one. Don't even look over to see what it is. Just grab the plate. I was at I a do like sushi. Yeah, I was at a place in Norfolk that had that. I don't know if they're still open because it was right before COVID happened. Um, There's a place you... in Raleigh that has it. Okay, That's where we, all right, yeah. We did it. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask where that was. In like closer to downtown or just like out. Well, maybe it was Chapel Hill. I think it okay. was Chapel Hill. Yeah, I'm getting a thumbs up on the Chapel Hill. Right on. Uh, it it was uh, whatever that no class university um what's their famous street franklin street yeah it it was yeah. just off of franklin street i know a girl we're not friends let me be very clear about that uh this this person that i'm not friends with anymore um uh she was in. I mean, I'm I'm glad she's safe, and this didn't this didn't hurt her. I just, you know, you got to draw a line in the sand and get toxic people out of your life. But she, um, uh, I think she was in college, and they were down on like Halloween on Franklin Street, and some guy was going around with a with a with an exacto blade, just cutting people's tendons. Oh, and like the girl she was standing beside her friend, the guy came up and slit her tendon. Um. 
That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, it's cra yeah, crazy as hell. Crazy as hell. I didn't, but I didn't start doing. I mean, I would be at parties and stuff, but again, I grew up in a super confined space. We'll just say that. And uh, so I didn't start going to parties probably till I was in college, and I wouldn't even call them. Well, I guess I would call it. Well, I guess they were technically were parties. But then I don't think I started drinking till I was 22 or 23. And I didn't really like start drinking like a grown ass man till I was 30. And obviously I don't do it at all now because I guess you just evolve yourself slowly. Not even that. water? Uh, no, I've, 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 a, I've, a, I've a aqua addiction. Aqua hall. Oh, aqua. Aquaholic. No Aquaholic, yeah. That's um, kind of funny. Yeah. No, I don't, but I definitely probably don't drink enough water. I mean, I try to. I mean, I used to, when I was younger, I was good I about doing a gal gallon a day, but yeah. it's tough now. And that's one reason I like to buy gallon jugs of water. Because uh, you don't run out very quickly. But I, I really don't drink enough. I am not a hydro homie at all and i should and I'll, I'll get to points where i'm good but this is not one of those points all right i'm, I'm gonna go back to sushi again yeah uh when when you were introduced to sushi was it did you just dive in or was it like you know training wheels with california roll and oh that's what like i'm saying that? yeah 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 when i was yeah when i was dropping in the, about the um Cream cheese. I mean, it was that kind of stuff. Like with yeah, right. super basic stuff. Maybe a salmon or a tuna with you know cucumber and you know um, um, yeah. It was probably a soft launch because um, much like a lot of things, my first ex-wife, it was she was tricking me into things um, and luring me in. You know, taking advantage of my my naivete. Um, so yeah, it was a soft, uh, soft, uh, soft launch on that. See, I, and I liken that to nobody likes red wine to begin with, and they drink white wine, and then at a point you you try red wine, and you're like, okay, I'm never going back. And uh, that very much, I mean, I remember the day that I transitioned to red wine, and but sushi was very much the same thing you know I, I was very very reserved like you're talking about and then i tried it and it was just life-changing like you put it it really was we got a great well, sushi think... place right down the street man and we just don't go very often we should totally we should totally do that um uh, and I think again, you know, and and we've talked a lot about with uh, food reviews, and if we end up doing like a YouTube thing about just reviewing things in general, I think restaurants and different things. But I'd I'd love to do because you're because you're you you are uh, a low key culinary wizard, and I wouldn't mind just doing a, and it wouldn't be you know shitting on restaurants or anything, but just like try theirs and then you make it and just see how what adjustments you would make and then just make it and just how the different experience is with you making it based on 
what what you know what 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 adjustments would I make as uh, as the, uh, the 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 senior member of the of the show? What adjustments would I make on this on this cooking thing? Um, what was do you remember? Because I know I was because you know palates change over time. Uh, I remember. It was a huge, uh, huge, it was a huge, huge. Uh, I don't know if it was an emotional and just adjustment into adulthood, but when I got away from drinking sweet wine, I mean, I used to love, I would love a muscadine wine. I mean, I still have a, I mean, I haven't obviously drank it. I'm not going to drink it in the future, but I mean, maybe if somebody could make a similar drink, but didn't have any alcohol content, but I don't know how you could create the nuances of those flavors yeah, without it having alcohol. grape juice well but i just feel like there's so much it's too, i feel like normal grape juice is too sweet i mean i haven't been down to any of those places but maybe like duplin county you know it's famous for all the those wines maybe there's maybe they have non-alcoholic i don't know what they would call it because i feel like it would have to have alcohol in it to truly to, you know, to be wine but um uh uh but just the the transition from drinking a uh, sweeter wine to drinking just grown ass adult you know just a just a dry red just a just a earthy i can't even describe it without using the f word just a gorgeous rough almost like sexually violent just this 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 robust you know uh you know, just just uh, again, not trying to sound like I'm romanticizing, and obviously nobody, you know, do the normal fake nonsense where they intentionally mistake, you know, mis misconstrue what I say and throw themselves on the ground and scream victim up like somebody pushed them down. But but uh, <clears throat> just the just the savage savage beauty of a of a of a robust red wine. Um, but that but that but the you know but the, the that the it comes through in the subtleties and that it's not and i'm sure people maybe some people that hear this may not have the intellectual capacity to understand what i'm saying but uh uh but you know like like well like and because I, I used to never have because we were at uh that guy's house that had the multi-tiered deck who for some reason lost his mind and started worshiping the orange guy but i remember we met there we met we met a guy there who was a the founder and owner of a, of a, of a North Carolina vineyard. But he had brought yeah, a bottle yeah. of, of like one of the first bottles of wine that was like 12 or 15 years old. But I just remember I had no, I, I, my palate at the time, even then just did not have the level of appreciation. And to see you having like a shamanistic experience of, it was like, it was like, it was like seeing like that you were tasting like when you were drinking this wine that you were having this experience where you were like it looked like you were time traveling and like like what you would imagine like a flashback on Highlander would look like and you were going back to very specific moments in the history of the earth and like the history of North America and before the before you know 
imperialist conquest, you know, people that look like you and me showed up and, you know, uh, borrowed the land from all the people they genocided. Um, that you were have, you know, and then when, you know, like like when the meteor hit the earth and wiped out the dinosaurs, what did this, you know, what what were the contributing factors that led to the flavor in this, in the, you know, what what was going on in the soil? The dude, it really does. It gets to that kind of level with wine yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I adore wine. <clears throat> uh, it it is very much a food because you are getting hints of whatever and red wine in particular uh it's a journey it's an experience it to me it is very spiritual it, it like i said about it being food in cooking, uh, I, in talking about getting all the, all the, the balance between heat and all that, while you don't want heat in your wine necessarily, but still you have these caveats that have to come together and become greater than the sum of their parts. And, uh, and when you find a good wine and that wine that night is very interesting in the fact that when he popped that giant bottle, uh, it was delicious. It was fantastic. And normally when wine gets some air, it, it kind of enriches it. And this was just the opposite. It turned. We didn't finish that bottle before. It was just rancid vinegar. Mm. And I, you know, I don't understand that process so much. I, I think, the only talents I have are on the tongue. I don't have knowledge so much as I can identify uh, flavors, the hints of tobacco and cherry. And uh, it, it's bizarre. The human tongue is amazing, but I can truly tell the difference between a blueberry and a blackberry and whatever within a wine. Uh, hints of this and that it uh i don't know i'm getting all happy just talking about it actually 100%. but i too well, I am, like... well i'm on the current not drinking alcohol and i'm fine if yeah. i never drink again well it's weird and you're, you know, you're talking about the that wine is food, and I think that's the same thing, you know, because I one of my friends, industry friends, down near Charlotte, he, uh, it was his birthday a few months ago, and I, you know, I, I mean, I'll take people bottles if they, you know, just to, because I'm not, you know, I just because I don't do something doesn't mean I have a problem. I mean, certainly sometimes i have a huge problem with people doing things but i you know i mean i me not drinking doesn't mean i'm not or that i have a problem with other people doing it as long as they're you know responsible or whatnot but but he did he was the first person i remember saying no man i'm i'm uh i'm allergic 
And uh, but when you were talking about the food, one is through that really, for some reason, triggered the idea about that that for al- alcohol for some people, like in my case and other people, that it's that uh, that you do have a food allergy. It, to, that's a, a nice phrasing yeah. for it. I like that. Yeah. Well, because I mean, it is with you know, I mean, what what happens in your body with that with that sugar content and and all the other aspects to the to alcohol like what is you know if it's if it's having that level of effect on you that i think your body is allergic to it uh you know the the allergens once they get in your body your response is manifested in different ways um but uh while i google alcohol free wine and see what it says um well, it, you know, it's an experience, <clears throat> and it's a journey with with wine in particular. I mean, and beer can have that same kind of nuance. Uh, I just don't have an affinity for various beers like I I do with wine. It, uh, I saw a a meme with somebody in in uh, oh, what's the local wine place? Anyway, they were in a wine store, and. Uh, I just felt that longing to be there to me is a kid in a candy store. And I'm truly not some great expert, but, uh, I'm an enthusiast. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that's, that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I think that's just part of, going through life and making those discoveries and uh, uh you know well, at least in my mind like half the whole reason humans exist is to um discover discover their enthusiasms yeah i'll never uh, be confused with the sommelier but it uh i would i would love to do that for a living a guy on YouTube, and just what a great job! He, he was testing hundred-year-old wine, eighty-year-old wine, sixty-year-old wine, just on down the line from this vineyard uh, from France. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you don't want wine to get but so old. But uh, yeah, did you ever? Were you ever that? Uh, I, I did you drink wine? Actually, I guess would be the first question. I you a wine yeah, drinker? I could not. Um, yeah, earthy reds. Right. I would. Li- I mean, yeah, earthy reds were yeah, no joke. I mean, like the same thing you mentioned, like a like a cherry, deep fruity kind of tobacco earthy thing with you know like a hint of dark chocolate or whatever. Right, right. Um, I could, I mean, I'm really happy the fact that I can talk about it and that it positively like trigger my enthusiasm, but not feel motivated to go out and buy it and drink it. So I'm really happy to be able to do that. But just exceptional. I mean, that was the magic. And I think coffee, and I'm not blaming my ex wife for this, although why would, why would I not? But, uh, but uh um 
but to get into the to get into the uh the coffee thing and explore coffee and then uh, the the in the same same way of exploring wines with flavors and beans and all these things um that i think that really got me into wines and got me away from drinking nonsense uh white wine i mean i you know i i have a great uh love and admiration um which i'm sure, well again people take most things i say they intentionally take it incorrectly to promote their own victimhood but you know richard harris oliver reed richard burton peter o'toole i just have a I have a great fondness of people like that um um but I, but I definitely, I think at the time that level of hell raising and, um, which often manifested itself through public intoxication, you needed that at the time in Britain to, to shake up because revolution happens incrementally. If re revolution doesn't happen incrementally, it happens, happens through violence and dead bodies in the street. Um, and they just happen to be an incremental adjustment and, and, certainly in British society after the war, specifically World War II being the war in the 50s and 60s. Um, but, uh, oh, but Oliver Reed had this great quote about, uh, uh, and I'm having to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly the, what order the words were. Basically, the gist was, I don't even drink white wine when I'm dying. You know, just because yeah. it was so, yes. so, so yeah. Oh, but there was a hilarious, there's a hilarious clip, and anybody that's listening, go watch it. It's Oliver Reed and Paula Yates, and it was in the 80s. And I think it was, uh, you know, I can't even say it without doing the accent, but I guess you're supposed to because it's French, but Paul Masson. Um, and, and if anybody ever remembers, uh, and you probably remember this, you know, uh, um orson wells obviously you know he had a disjointed career and maybe he was one of the first people who was a guy who peaked early in life and was kind of playing catch up the rest of his life where you know a lot of times men in hollywood have to start in their 20s and then by the time they're in their 40s or 50s then they're popular whereas women are popular when they're younger and it, you know what i mean and so when people get mad about why is this 20 year old girl in this movie with this 40 year old man it's because nobody would give that dude a job for 20 years or he had to build up a resume whereas people are hiring her principally because she's an ingenue and, and you then, don't have yeah and you don't have 40 year old ingenues and that's yeah. that's how it happens i mean unless you're talking about rob Lowe or zach efron or somebody like that who then have had to reestablish themselves and do a variety of work to reestablish themselves as serious uh, actors. And Pierce Brosnan, I mean, until he got James Bond, I mean, people didn't take him seriously. And still, still after that, didn't, you know, he's had to build up a, an intense resume of work to be taken seriously as an actor um, and start his own production company, Dreamtime, uh, Irish Dreamtime uh, Productions. But, um, uh, Booze. Oh, Orson Welles. So that's okay. I couldn't remember how I got there. But uh, but anyway, he would do a lot of commercials. You remember in the 80s and I didn't know Orson Welles was Orson Welles. I mean, I knew when I was a kid in the 
probably the best Transformers movie ever, the cartoon one from the 80s. Uh, you know, he voices Unicron, uh, the planet that eats planets. And that was always the joke is that, you know, by the time they cast him as a planet, he was the size of a planet. But but he would do all these commercials, but he used to do Paul song commercials. And um, if you, I think Paul song commercials on a national, in America, outside of like California or Florida or wherever, the, the wine industry used to be real big. He would do these ads and it was one of the first places where they would, he would talk about, and I, I try to do the voice, but they're having wine. Hold on. Yeah, boy. They're having wine tastings. Their afternoon wine tastings at the Palmasson thing, my dear boy. They're having, I can't do the voice, but anyway, one of the first times they would talk about, like I remember I went to, uh, when I was doing economic development, we, one of the companies we went to call them was uh, Green Flash Brewing out in San Diego about the possibility of expanding to try to recruit them to come e open an East Coast location in, in North Carolina. Um, uh, but it was one of the first times I remember seeing where they were doing like that it was the same thing that's really big now in, in North Carolina where it's, you know, where they've rehabbed old industrial space and turned it into breweries. Um, that it was kind of before that became big here. Uh, so to see it out there and you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And now everybody does it here. So it's, but just to see it out there first was, was interesting. But, but anyway, but he would do the first, uh, uh, anyway, but he was doing all these commercials because he was broke. And he would blame the studio system, oh, directors, I, you know. But he was, but he'd be drunk in all the Palma Song commercials. Uh, so, there's a famous Palma song commercial where he's drunk and he's sitting, the actors at the table and the thing, and he would keep missing the cue and knocking stuff over. But there's a funny sketch online where somebody spoofs that. And then at the end of the sketch, he's drunk eating lobster and tearing this lobster apart and just eating loaves of bread. Um, the actor playing him. And then he accidentally at the end of the sketch, does the whole commercial because he's like, oh, a new champagne from Paul Masson. Oh, it's made to taste like the finest French champagne. Oh, it's non-alcohol. Oh, oh, it goes well with blah, blah, blah. And inadvertently does the whole, spoiler alert, does the whole commercial as a, accidentally at the end of the bit. But Paula Yates, who had been married to, I think, uh, Bob Geldof, and then was having an affair with Michael Hutchins from uh, NXS, was a big party girl, like the Paris Hilton every day when Paris Hilton was party in her 20s. But she and Re Oliver Reed, who at that time was probably in his 40s or 50s and obviously looked older because people used to look older, but they have a gag that they're drinking non-alcoholic wine. Short story long, that's the, that's the gag of the, of the sketch. Um, well, and then, wasn't that yeah. the... There will be no wine before it's time. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I remember. And I'm that. looking at, yeah, and I'm looking at these like non-alcoholic wines they say they have at a at a local huge place here on a major street, and most of it's white wine, which I wouldn't buy anyway. Part of me thinks I'd be curious to try one of these non-alcoholic wines, but the other part of me is like, don't mess with, don't mess with success. Um, 
you know, and I've tried, I, for a while, before I quit drinking, I tried non-alcoholic bourbon. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. Uh, the wife just bought something like that, a non-alcoholic rum, and it was heinous. Exactly. Number one, they're heinous. Number two, I always loved, when I quit drinking beer, because I lost my taste for it years before I quit drinking, uh, I always felt safe and happy drinking bourbon, scotch, wine, or, uh, 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 well, wine, but uh, uh, vodka, bourbon, scotch, because you knew what was in it. You knew exactly the ingredients that were in it. General, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Same ingredients they've been putting in it for a thousand years, right? Like you knew exactly what was in it. You were not confused about the ingredients that were involved making this product. Um, kind of basically the same thing with moonshine, even though it's, you know, you're drinking it out of a carburetor. Right. The fake stuff, the non-alcoholic stuff, Had yeah. had more chemicals and 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 potential toxins in it than uh, uh, if you were drinking hairspray if you mixed hairspray and a soft drink together, like I you know so that was my main hesitation was that I felt safer drinking alcohol because you knew the two or three ingredients that were in it, and you know as a person who you know, holistic of the earth, from the earth. You knew all this stuff basically was grown in the earth and it was the same recipes people have been using for hundreds of years. And also, for me, when you see old pictures of people drinking, none of them were obese. They, you know what I'm saying? Like they looked mm -hmm. healthier than people today. They looked older because people just looked older. But and I felt safer and healthier um, with that than I did. That I, that I, I mean, I don't give a shit what people think when I say this. I think generally speaking, bourbon or scotch is a lot healthier for you than drinking soft drinks. I, I think know. a fair argument can be made that for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, and I again, I don't. I mean, I might have a soda once a year, but you know, maybe a Dr Pepper or a Cheerwine or something or a cherry uh, Coke. But but I just, I'm like, there's three ingredients. You know, the booze that I've just described, maybe three ingredients. You don't know what the hell you're drinking. I mean, yes, that the ingredients are on the side of the can or the buff, but why would you? Why would you eat or drink? something that unless it's a uh, that it's a word from a foreign language why would you drink something that is comprised of multiple chemicals that have multiple syllables in the name of them that is a fair question i always tell people if you can't pronounce things on the side of it you probably shouldn't ingest it you know uh, yeah yeah not, but I then mean, again, yeah. there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to say the chemical name for water. So, uh, 
we might want well, to. And that's why a, those people. That's why those people drink mellow yellow all the time. Is mellow yellow still a thing? I don't know. I shouldn't shit on mellow yellow. I mean, I think oh, maybe sun drops. Who I was thinking of, but you know, I I have a lot of I have a lot of compassion about a lot of that stuff. I'm a I'm a southern. I'm a person from the south. I grew up here. My you know. I'm, and I'm not trying to shame people's culture because I grew up in the same culture. I don't adhere to a lot of the whatevers. But much like other forms of psychological conditioning and manipulation, until you realize you're in the and not. It's so strange too that this has all been adopted by the right wing. The idea about you don't know you're being controlled, you don't know whatever. It's so so. It's so strange to me that all those people have become right wing people. You know. Like people who are like, well, is that what happened? And suddenly, all those people are right wing now. Which, when did when did questioning authority, other than it's a trope, because they're still just finding a new way to manipulate you know, the, the right wing is finding new ways to manipulate people. Um, when did when did questioning authority become a, a right wing virtue? It never was. It never was. So if people had any sense or knowledge or brain power, they'd be questioning. Why are the people that are telling us to question things coming from the right, you know, in the last few years? So. Sorry, not to dominate the last 30 minutes of the show. I feel we had a wonderful balance on the show, as <clears throat> we always do. Um, but that is indeed the end of this show. Is this a show? Yeah, we'll call no, it No, it's show. not. No, it isn't. Uh-huh. Let's do what I... Clever girl. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, man, um <clears throat> yes, uh until Monday. We're going going down to Wilmington to hang out with some folk and and uh we will reconvene and I may or may not ask what day it is. Uh, well, uh, as, uh, as a man with a squeaky voice once said, you know what day it is, it's Friday. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I will not be ingesting purple drink, but if anybody wants to, please, uh, I'll have my coffee, have my cigars and, uh, possibly, uh, patronize some local establishments for club soda. And we'll, have a safe we'll trip. revisit. Yeah. We'll revisit the why would you put anything in your body full of chemicals uh, Monday. After I drink all the club soda. Okay. And, and smoke good. cigars that are full of carcinogenics and horrible things. All right. <clears throat> uh, I will go have my Pepsi Zero with the, the bagel I'm about to eat. God, bagels sound good. All right. All right. Hi, <laughs> right, man. Later. All right. Have a great day. YouTube, man. Bye.